1: Founder of Miller IP Law and co founder of several startups, including a multi million dollar startup for wearable glucose monitoring. Devin is an entrepreneur, patent and trademark attorney, and intellectual property expert. He and his team specialize in protecting startup and entrepreneurial companies with IP legal advice, setting them up for growth and success in their business ventures. Good morning, Devin. Welcome to Business Owners Radio
0: thank you. Excited to be on and glad to talk with you. Well, we're excited to have you here with your really diverse background. Of course, you work at Miller IP Law, but you know all of your background in the startup space, we know that you founded and run seven and eight figure businesses, and you're heavily involved in IP law, trademarks, copyrights, that sort of thing. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm really curious with all the changes we're seeing in the world and these different ways that you interact across the business spectrum, What are you seeing right now? And what is sort of the mindset that you think that business owners need to be aware of?
2: So as you indicated, I've done a few of my own startups. I founded and run Miller IP Law, which we work with a ton of startups and small businesses. And my opinion is, and and I think it's proven out in the marketplace, at least with my interactions, is anytime there's a change in the marketplace, it introduces new variables, right? So if you're good, bad, or indifferent, change always shows the chinks in the, the armor in the sense that when it's status quo, when businesses are just going along and doing things how they have always done, it's hard to see those changes. It's hard to see what is the weaknesses and the armor type of a thing. And yet when there's something that changes in the marketplace, it introduces those opportunities to say, how can we do these differently? How can we take advantage? How can we shift our model and how can we pivot? And a lot of what I'm seeing is that the businesses are able to say, hey, this is thrust upon us, it's not what we want, but we have to deal with it. How can we now adjust and pivot so we can do something different? Those are the ones that are thriving and taking that introspective look as to how we can adjust and how to do things better. The ones that are kind of waiting it out and are just waiting for things to go back to normal in the way they've always done it are the ones that are seeming to tend to struggle a bit more. So I think that there's that ability to adjust and adapt and look and see with the change, what new variables is introduced and how can you react to those or the businesses are thriving.
0: Yeah. And I think what we see a lot with established businesses is once you sort of have figured out a model that's working and you have a market that's working, you tend to be really focused on how do you optimize that market, right? And, Mm -hmm. And make it more sustainable, more profitable. And then what happens is you have a dramatic change in the marketplace beyond your control. And all of a sudden that market goes away overnight, And now we all have to be innovators and we all have to think more like a startup in order
2: to survive. No, absolutely. And one of the examples I think is, and this is a while back, but Kodak is a great example. And I know people like to pick on Kodak. So I'll I'll pile on and pick on a bit. But if people may or may not know, Kodak was the first one to introduce digital cameras. They invented them, they came up with them, and it was a great opportunity, and yet they were used to, their business model was, we sell film, we sell things that use for development, and it's a very lucrative business, and we don't want to lose that business. Let's keep it status quo. So they actually shelved the digital camera because they didn't want it to roll into their market. Somebody else came along invented it again or did something differently. And now Kodak is a shell of us once was. And so when you have those things that change in the marketplace, you can either embrace them, adapt them and figure out how to leverage them. Or at some point, if you're just waiting for things to stay as status quo, eventually you're not going to be able to be competitive.
0: Yeah, we're seeing a lot of models being disrupted right now, and Mm. uh, and I'm curious about what you're seeing on the IP side. Are you seeing an increase in filings? People trying out new services and
2: new business ideas. Yes, and I'll speak from my perspective because I can't speak for the whole legal field. To be honest, you know, and I I say this, you know, humbly, we're busier now post COVID than we were pre COVID, and I'm not saying that I don't feel for a lot of businesses. I understand a lot of them are struggling, but the interesting thing is. I've taken this as and we're still a small firm, but I wanted to set it up that we can help clients in any of the fifty states, which requires that they don't always come in the office. And honestly, most of the time people they don't come into our office. So we were already set up to do Zoom meetings before Zoom meetings were cool. We had systems in place to make sure people knew the status of it. We had forms in place that walked them through the information we needed. And we really were set up. So as COVID hit and people had to adjust and pivot and you weren't always doing things face to face, we were already pretty well set up to be able to adapt to that. And so then we said, let's leverage that people that were now wanting to go to their local attorney down the street that they're not going to go to their office anymore. It opens it up to, hey, they're really going to then just look at who is the best service, best customer service, best costs and best advantages. And so it actually gave us the ability to leverage what we're doing on a bigger scale.
0: Yeah. And that scale is important nowadays, right? Because I think what people are realizing is you can go way outside your metropolitan area to find the best of the best if you do a little bit of homework and it really (laughs) opens you up to a lot more possibilities especially in the areas of things like law and especially in such a very particular area of intellectual property. And so that brings me to like, what are the mistakes that you see that business owners makes when it comes to intellectual property law?
2: I mean, I would say the number one mistake is probably waiting too long. And usually it kind of comes from the startup mentality. We got more things to spend money on than we have money to spend, right? There's always more things competing for the budget. And so they always kind of hold off and we'll wait and we'll get to that. And, you know, and, and those type of things. And I fully understand that and appreciate it, but then they wait so long that, you know, take patents as an example. So give you an example as to how they wait too long is let's say you created the world's best new iPhone or the new widget or whatever, and you get out there, you want to sell it. You want to make a whole lot of income. Well, anytime you introduce a new product or an invention into the marketplace from the first day you put it out in the public, you have a year within which you can file a patent application. They have a statutory limit as to how long you can put down the public before you have to file. And the problem is is a lot of companies await past that year because they're trying to get it up and going, get it out in the marketplace and everything else and then they lose that window and they'll try and come back in a couple years or three years and say, oh, we should probably look at patenting this or hey, it's doing really well. Now we should probably do something here. And by that time it's too late and then we're having to adjust or just figure out what we can protect or other avenues, but they lose a big opportunity there. One other thought is similar on trademarks is a lot of times, again, you start out small and you grow, almost all businesses, most of them don't just start out big And you start out as a small local area and you start to build a brand. Take Starbucks as an example. Starbucks wasn't always ubiquitous where it is everywhere today. They started out, and I think it was Oregon or Portland or whatnot, and grew from there. And when you start out smaller, you say, no, we don't need to worry about our brand. We're just a local thing, not a big deal. But as you grow and you get notoriety, you don't want to get to the point that somebody else already has your brand and your trademark. And now you're saying, great, we aren't able to even use our name on a nationwide scale, and we have to rebrand and it costs you a whole lot more time, money, and effort to rebrand and to do all that than if you had done it. So probably the number one thing is that they wait too long or they don't engage soon enough.
1: Kevin, yeah, are there certain businesses that are best suited for using IP as their marketing strategy?
2: Yeah. So maybe this is a really quick two-second refresher just to set the stage. So IP, intellectual property, is an umbrella term. It has three things under that umbrella. Patents are basically an invention, does something utility functionality. Trademarks are brands, so if you have any brand, you know name of a company, name of a product, something is branding, that's going to be a trademark. Copyrights are going to be more on the creative, so videos, pictures, films, blogs, books, movies, those type of things. And so most companies will have an, an avenue to protect and create value with one of those. But you have to look at what type of business you are. So if you're a brand business and you're not creating anything new, you probably don't need patents. Like, Don't go and chase that down. It doesn't make sense. And vice versa. If you're creating the world's best widget, then you probably want to get a patent. Or if you're creating the next movie or writing the next book, you're probably going to get a copyright. Where it doesn't make sense as much, especially on the, the trademark or the branding side, is if you're saying, hey, all I want to be is a local mom and pop shop, right? And nothing wrong with that by any means. Let's say you want to be a local restaurant. And I don't have any aspirations to be a chain or to grow. I just want to have my restaurant that's fun. I can serve the local community or, you know, you can be a local bookstore or something that then it doesn't make sense. You're not going to build enough presence. You're not going to try and grow. You're just going to say, this is what I'm doing it. Or if you're a lifestyle business, those type of things, it doesn't make sense to go after those. On the other hand, if you're saying, hey, our aspirations are to grow this business, to become a brand, to become a nationwide, to sell the product, whether or not you fully ever reach those aspirations, if you're setting up the business to head in those directions, that's when you're going to think about intellectual property and depending on which type of business, you may do all three, you may just do one or you may do some mixture of them.
1: I noticed that Tesla, when they were starting up, they open sourced tremendous volumes of their IP What kind of strategy is going on there?
2: Yeah, and Red Hat is one that does the same thing there on the software side, but I did a ton of work for Red Hat and a previous firm I worked at. And a lot of the ideas is more of a defensive nature in the sense that they're saying, one is it still creates value, meaning they own something. Technically, if Tesla tomorrow or Red Hat or any wanted to, they could change their mind. They could go say, we're not going to do this. It's free licensing and we're good to go. Or they could go sell off the company and the new person says, hey, this is, there's a lot of value here. We're not going to do that. But as long as they're continuing to do it, what they're really saying is, we have our war chest so if somebody attacks us we can still defend ourselves so if a tesla competitor that has a lot of intellectual property comes and says hey we're going to come after you we're going to sue you or otherwise going to enforce our patents against us they can still have that as a defensive nature say no we got our portfolio we've got our war chest and you come after us mutually assured destruction we're going to come after you so a lot of times it is just hey They want to expand their product. They want to expand their reach. So they're opening up their portfolio. They're allowing people that are smaller companies, startups, you know, other businesses to build off what they've done without having to pay huge licensing fees. So in that sense, it helps them to grow their business, expand the reach with that kind of a business structure. And then they also have the ability to defend themselves for somebody that's taking a different approach.
1: Years back, technology base, our first company We didn't bother with patents because the industry was moving so fast. Our products, we would obsolete them about every six months and do the next best thing, then grow the product. And so we kind of went that route and it worked pretty well. And then as technology started to slow down and refine the second company, we really went into the patent trademark side. The challenge is with technology is there's so many different flavors and variations that come out. It's mm. expanding those patents to cover all of those different potential other competitors carping on an edge, if you will. What are your thoughts and experiences there?
2: Yeah, I mean, if I were to, to be self-honest, I you're never going to get a patent that blocks every competitor. There are just too many smart people. They can do it different ways. And so I always look at it and say, if, if your goal is to just completely... Stop all competitors and stop the competition, you're not being self honest. Where I look at it is more is when you do intellectual property, there's a couple different ways, and we'll take patents as an example of motivations as to why you get them. One is you're saying, hey, we've invested a ton of blood, sweat, and tears, time, money, and effort to developing something. And yes, can other people developing it a different way? Maybe, but it may not be as good, maybe not as cost effective, may not be as efficient, may not work as well. And so because we put in so much time and effort, a lot of times it's hard to monetize what's in your head. You know, all that time and research and effort you put into something, how do you actually capture value there? So one of it is an investment. Hey, I can capture this. I figured out this way to do it is value. And so I'm going to make that as a way that I can then be able to have an asset that allows me to capture that as part of value for the business. The other thing that you're going to do is I always look at is intellectual property and patents or trademarks as you're setting up a kind of almost a minefield in the sense that can you navigate a minefield? Yes, you can navigate a minefield, but it may take you five times as long to deviate, to go around, to go back and forth and to find your path to make it around the minefields that are the patents that you have in the minefield, the trademarks or the copyrights and things that make it so difficult that you're incentivizing businesses rather than taking five X amount of time, money and effort, having an inferior product or anything else why don't they come and either acquire you for your startup or small business take a license from you or simply go and compete in a different way or in a different sandbox and so patents aren't going to or any of them aren't going to absolutely stop competition but you set up that minefield such that it gives you an advantage with cost efficiency a better product any number of things that makes it harder for others to compete and disincentivizes them too
1: years ago there was a lot of articles regarding the trolls out there that would buy up patents and then try to use them is that still going on i haven't heard anything
2: yeah it still goes on and i deal with them not on a frequent basis but a reasonably repetitive basis and in one sense i dislike trolls in the sense that if you're not going to be using the technology, if all you're going to be doing is excising from businesses that are trying to do something, you're not really contributing, then why should you reap reward and you're just causing a lot of people, that businesses, to pay out a lot of money? On the other hand, if I were to defend trolls, and I don't know that I really want to defend trolls, but I'll play devil's advocate, you could make the argument that, hey, these are patents that were submitted, they went through the process, and they are enforceable. Somebody did that, put in a lot of time, money, and effort. And if you're a startup or small business, that can be a big portion, and yet you know, how do you monetize that? How do you make money from that? Sometimes it is, hey, if I really created something different that I'm patenting, maybe I'm a startup or small business that can't go and enforce that. And I am going to, you know, what would be trolls or, you know, that moniker and saying, hey, help me to enforce this. I don't have the funds or the ability, but I put in a lot of effort and time and ability to come up with this and now I'm having competitors. So sometimes, you know, trolls, some of them are just horrible and and bad and I, I think they should be shut down. But I, I think there are room for some of them that if you're a small startup or small business saying, I can't compete, I can't go take on the big giants or the Goliaths, and I can't enforce my patent, and yet I put in a lot of time and effort to do this for them to just copy what we're doing, then it gives you an avenue to go out and enforce. So they are out there. I think there is a place for some of them, and a lot of them, there isn't one.
0: Devin, in thinking about all the different kinds of businesses that you've helped throughout the years and this expertise that you've developed I'm so curious about where you decided to focus. So it seems like you spend a lot of your time with startups and small business.
2: Yeah, and and it is. And it's where I love to help. And I worked with the Fortune 500, Fortune 100 companies for a lot of my career. But kind of going back where I really found my passion and love for helping startups and small businesses is when the very first patent I did, which was for a patent for an invention that I came up with, which is this takes me all the way back to MBA school. And I was in MBA school, Entered a business competition with a few other people and I came up with an idea as I was trying to brainstorming that I was walking home one night and, I, you know, I was into marathons at the time and I said, wouldn't it be cool if, you know, as you're doing a runner and a marathon that you can monitor your hydration level, because that's one of the things that causes the most pain and difficulty of a marathon is you're under hydrated and you, you don't keep your hydration levels up. So with that, I kind of brainstormed, came up with the idea and we we're going to enter into the business competition. And then with that i said you know well i'm in law school i'm studying patent law seems only natural to get a patent on this because i think it's an awesome idea you know i came up that has to be an awesome idea so with that the very first patent that i filed that i prepared myself went all the way through the process and did all of that was for this wearable hydration monitor and this was back in 2011 12 before apple watch before Fitbit, anything else and from that and you know other experiences but a lot of that was I love working with startups and small businesses helping them strategize helping them get their IP and it kind of started from I did that first with my own my very first startup that I really got going did that and that one's grown into a multi-million dollar business we have a good IP patent portfolio we've licensed it out we've made money that way and it's really is built a great asset to it but it was all from that first patent that I ever created. And that genesis was the, kind of gave me the focus of this is really where my passion is. This is really the people I want to help and the ones that I want to be able to make sure they get the exact same representation as the big guys. They get just as much value and just as much help, even if they can't afford to go to the huge law firms in downtown.
0: Well, Devin, it sounds like it's been an incredible journey and we have really enjoyed having you with us today.
2: Thank you so much for sharing your stories. Oh, it's been a pleasure. It's always fun to take a trip down memory lane and share a little bit of knowledge is a little bit of what brought me to where I'm at today. So thank you for having me on. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, maybe as I mentioned, as we talked, the big mistake is that people don't start early enough. And I want to remove that barrier. And one of the things I think is the best way to do that is we offer a free strategy meeting, you can come into us either, you know, face to face or with COVID a lot of times via zoom or via call, but you can sit down, we'll talk with you answer any of your questions, strategize on your business what makes sense. And we do all that for free. We do it as a, an initial consultation or strategy session. Easiest way to, to line that up or to do that is just to go to freestrategymeeting.com and you can grab some time on my calendar. It links right to my calendar. I'll sit down with you, talk through it, and we'll have a good strategy session. So if anybody's having any questions, they're not sure what they need, if they need anything or otherwise need help, certainly go to freestrategymeeting.com and i will absolutely happy to help them.
1: Our guest today has been Devin Miller, entrepreneur, patent and trade attorney, intellectual property expert, and founder of Miller IP Law. You can find out more about Devin as well as find links to his website and free offer, all on our website at businessownersradio.com.
0: Thank you for joining us on Business Owners Radio. We hope you enjoyed today's show. As always, you can read more about each episode along with links and offers in the show notes on our website, businessownersradio.com. We want to hear your feedback. Please leave comments on this show or suggestions for upcoming episodes. Tell your fellow business owners about the show and, of course, you would love the stars and comments on iTunes. Till next time, keep taking care of business.